In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in June of 2022. My name is Donna Blanchard. While we recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Welcome, Mickey Weems. Thank you, Donna. Thank you so much for having these conversations with us. And I want to mention that uh, Susan Wright and James Charisma uh, are on the team. They are always on the line with us. It's so comforting to know that they're here in the Zoom with us. How are you feeling physically right now, Mickey? Um, Anxious. And the reason why is because the next topic we're going to talk about, it's a tough one for me. It will not be easy. Okay. Well, we're going to take all the time that you need. And if you want uh, want to say we're going to finish this in another episode, then I'll ask you a lighthearted question. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, because this is, I'm not going to lie. It's emotional. Just going into it. I feel it as well. I'm, I'm with you on that, but uh, um I also know that it is a really important, we're feeling so emotionally charged because it's really important for us to talk about. So we're going to talk about quitting. Okay. And Um, as it pertains to you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, You in our last episode, uh, we've, we've touched on this a little bit in several different ways. Uh, let's begin with discussing it as uh, in the the three different types of pain okay. that you covered. Um, first of all, let me give a shout out to BJ Penn UFC because of that place. Actually, this it, when we go in, all us muscle heads, and we work out. There's we tend to be in our own little world, but we do talk to each other and we get to know each other and you get a comf- comfort level when you see people all the time. You know, at the, at, in the same place. Then I was there on Friday and they had big old pride flags. We may be meatheads, but we are socially aware and accepting meatheads. Um, (laughs) Just, 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 just that for, for BJ Penn. The second thing is sometimes I'll go in the sauna and the people, the guys I've met in there have really, really, you can get in really intense conversations when everybody is just sitting there and sweating. I'm not sure what the deal is there, but that's where I met the guy who I'm going to do the country song with. And that's where I met this, uh, his name is Brandon, Brandon Miller, I believe. And that's where I met um, Daniel Evan Zenrock, who is opening, hopefully, uh, a studio called Grateful for Muay Thai. He goes to Thailand and works with kids, from the street kids that have been um, Thai boxing. He's um, kind of amazing. Just met him today. So he, I imagine he'll be part of the podcast that, that, that at some future date. When he gets back from Thailand, he's about to go and uh, do, do more work with them. Absolutely incredible person. Um, I'm in the, the gym actually really does help me because when I talk to these guys, they talk about their pain to me mm. because we have that kind of, uh, you know, siblinghood of working out. There's um, it's um, we'll, we'll get pretty, you know, in detail about stuff that within like, you know, a minute and. This is somebody you may not have ever met before, but you get really comfortable with talk because we're there for the body. And so to talk about the body is not that difficult for us. 
that makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome to have that camaraderie. That gym is good for you for so many different reasons. It is. Um, okay, so three kinds of pain that, I, that I've discovered. Uh, when I was first asked, rate your pain. They do that too with cancer people all the time. And I, I'm not sure that I agree that it's such a good thing, but hey, that's the procedure. I go with it. Say from one to 10, how bad is the pain today? And I thought, okay, it's just an ache. And so I'll say, okay, a four, or if it's really bad, it's a five. Well, I realized that there, there is no distinction between ache and pain. Ache is a kind of pain. Um, and so that you have the kind of pain like, like I have when that hits my femur, the upper femur of my right leg. Um, the pain will be so sharp and so devastating. I will, I will literally fall. I can't stand. And eventually, if I, if I take my time and I move really slowly, I can limp around. Then it can hit me anytime. That's, that, that is the sharp pain that people normally associate with pain. The ache that I feel and that ibuprofen that I, that I just took helps out with is um, that's something a little more subtle. It's something that's there and it doesn't go away. Kind of, so it's like a companion pain, right? And it can get really intense too sometimes where it's like, you think, oh, God, this is horrible. Um, that's the kind of thing that they prescribed opiates for me that I don't take because the opiates will just like either keep me from being able to take a dump or they make me dumb and they don't really, they don't really do anything for the pain. They're useless for the pain. Why would I take them? Um, at least for me, right? Now, I'm not going to tell anybody else how to do things. But there's a third kind of pain and that is fatigue that I realized this last week that fatigue can hurt. I mean, it's, it's, you know, physically hurt. And I never thought of it that way before, except for something that had happened that I relate related to um, the three of you um, when we were off, when we were not recording. Um, I started, I replaced riding the stationary bike with doing the elliptical runner. And for those of you who are not gym familiar, the elliptical runner has these almost like, like footholds that allow you to step with it. Um, and you go in kind of a circular motion with both feet. So it's not exactly a stair climb, but it's, the motion is similar, but they, you have constant contact the whole time, your feet against the, um, the uh, pedals, basically. Um, I go at the lowest rating, I don't go very fast, and I go for only five minutes. But for some reason, the, this agony, I can do a minute and after a minute, I'm, I'm just, I'm just like, I just want to stop, but it's not pain in the normal sense. And it's not ache. It's fatigue. It's that I just, I, the, my energy in, in that kind of repetition isn't there anymore. And so I struggle to get through the five minutes and it, it is, and sometimes it is full on agony. Last week, it was really bad. And I started crying. So I wear like a COVID mask and people can't see me cry, but yeah, I'm literally crying because, well, it took me a while to figure out I'm, because I want to stop so badly. And that is causing me huge, huge, huge psychological problems. The, the, the whole idea of quitting, that I can't quit. And I realized that I, I don't fear death I don't fear death at all, but I am, I am, I am really, really, really afraid of, of quitting. That scares me. That scares the 
scared the living daylights out of me. And so I've had to try to figure out why, why, what, what's going, what, what is going on with that, right? Then I, I mentioned some friends and they've given me pretty good advice. Um, and I've looked within myself and I think it's because a certain part of it's probably my raising. Um, another part of it is the, when I, when I was lost at sea, if I had stopped trying to reach, to get back to Maui, I wouldn't have been in the exact position for a, a cruise ship to come by and rescue me. <laughs> the irony of that, you know, if I had quit, I probably wouldn't have survived. So, you know, that, that really, I think that's seared it into my skull. You can't quit Marine Corps. Of course, you know, you don't quit. Um, so boot camp was, did that as well. Um, the, then there was a rescue that I did where a Canadian couple, a French Canadian couple had been, this is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, there were, there, there were two lifeguards involved in the rescue. Um, I swam out the, the, the two, the Canadian couple had got caught in a riptide and pulled out a few hundred yards from the shore. I noticed that they were, that whoever was with them wasn't really getting back in, that they were stuck out there. So I put on my buoy and I went out there to him because you can catch a riptide. It's like catching a freight train. Mm. Now, boom, I'm right there with them. And I, and I started laughing at that. So I'm trying to make lighten the mood. I said, uh, yeah, you got this guard out here and you can't bring him in, huh? What, what, what's the issue? You guys getting a suntan? And, uh, and, uh, and the guard said, uh, she's unconscious. So two people, neither speak English. The guy is in, in a panic because his girlfriend is unconscious with one lifeguard that can't bring them in. So, and they were on two boogie boards. So I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to get a hold of my buoy, my lifeguard buoy. And I'm, and I'm just going, I'm, of course, I'm tethered to it because it's around my chest, you know, the strap that you put on. Um, and I said, I'm going to tow us in. You stay with them, make sure they stay on there. Okay. And get them to kick, you know, get, get the conscious guy to kick so we can get some energy to get back to shore. Because uh, I knew that we had limited time with this young woman. If we didn't get her back, they, they, this could go from bad to worse really fast. So I'm going and I'm tired and it's getting harder and harder. But I realize you quit, she dies. Mm -hmm. No, just that simple. No, just don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. You quit, you, you quit and she dies. And so I didn't. And kept going, kept going, kept going. Um, made it to where we could stand. And, and I've got her, I'm holding her in my arms. And for those of you who have ever been a lifeguard, you know that there is a moment of pure agony when you switch from swimming to walking. <laughs> it's tough, right? Because all the muscles have been aligned to one thing. All of a sudden, they're aligned to something else. And now they've got to deal with gravity, okay? And so I stood up with her like, oh, and I walked her to the shore, put her down, um, checked her out to make sure she was okay. And she was not breathing. Oh, no. So uh, she had a heart, she had a pulse, but she was not breathing. So I gave her a couple of uh, uh, CPR breaths and then she started breathing again. And so I, I rocked back on, on my heels and I said, she's breathing. And I didn't realize that there were about 60 people around us. And they started cheering. Um, that was a really cool moment um, because, you know, we did manage to save her. And that I have, I've lost people before. There was a guy that I've lost that I tried to rescue. So it was good to have a win. But yeah, that, that also, you know, in my psyche, don't quit. You can't quit. Yeah. That's, you know, you're, a, you know, if, if you quit, you are not the man you think you are. I mean, it runs that deep. Yeah. Well, you've had some wins 
born of not quitting that were life and death. You've you've learned from experience in extreme circumstances to keep pushing because it is possible to get out of that well. So I imagine it might even be harder for you to quit than someone who hasn't experienced that level of a, a win in the face of great odds. True. I mean, I, I have, through my life experiences, I've been conditioned not to quit. Now, let me explain to our listeners, that doesn't mean that that when the cancer starts taking away my, my faculties, when I, when I will no longer be able to walk, when I will no longer be able to dance, um, that to me is not quitting. That to me is reality. You know, it's like you catch the wave you get, and that wave will have changed, and so I will adjust to catching that particular wave. Um, quitting for me would be for me to say, while I can dance, while I can lift weights, say, oh, I'm tired of it. This is, this is BS. I'm going to, I'm going to end it right now. That to me would be quitting. And that goes against the contract I made with the universe, which I, I believe I told you about. Yes. That okay. you are going to keep going as long as you are physically able to be physically strong and capable. Yep. And that was that was a tough decision for me to make because there were times where I just wanted to stop. Mm. I just wanted to, yeah, uh, that's enough. I can uh, the ship is right there. I can go sailing right now because I have it right here. The blue bag. I have it right here in this turquoise bag. I have the means by which I can take my life. The state has authorized it, which sounds kind of like 1984 kind of thing, but the state has authorized it. I can legally do that because they do that for, for people who have terminal illness. We are allowed that, that right. I don't even call it a privilege. I consider it a right. Um, but for me to do that prematurely would be for me to be, in, in, in a really important sense, and I don't say this lightly, but for me to be a coward. Um, and I don't judge anybody else. I'm, 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 however you deal with your world, you know, th those of you who might be terminal, that that's between you and the universe. That's not my business. I can only speak for myself. And that is for me completely, completely, utterly, utterly unacceptable. And it's, it's tough for me to even talk about, honestly. You have more but, coming. Yeah. You know, so, but, you know, and, and, um, I'm, I'm at peace with what's coming was what's coming my way. I am just not at peace with me saying to myself, because I've said it many times, this is, this is BS. I just want to go right now. And so I'm, I'm what I've been telling myself now is um, I mentioned this before in an earlier broadcast, just, okay, you know, you know, go through your depression have throw yourself a pity party, then get back to work. I feel like, you know, you're talking about the pain scale that doctors always ask you. And I hate that because <laughs> I feel like I always come right out with like nine. Uh, and then they ask me half an hour later and I say, well, can I change the first one? Because now I'm at a seven and a half, or, you know, the, and it's the same way if you rate anything like movie critics <laughs> the first movie of the first film of the year you watch maybe you're going to rate a little more harshly and as you go you have more to compare to i wonder if you might reach a point where you're having to judge on a scale of one to ten how much do i believe it's time for me to go 
how um what is the exact measurement that it because it's all going to be uh it's going to be very difficult difficult to qualify isn't it yeah so right now and we'll see what happens right now pain is not a factor ability is the factor yeah okay can i do something not how do i feel how do i feel is not to sound too much like a marine but you know it's like inconsequential and i know that's pretty naive because i know there are people out here such as my niece who had pancreatic cancer where the pain was unfathomable so i'm not going to pretend like i'm some kind of badass billy and oh you know pain doesn't matter yeah i'm a rough guy um I'm not to the point where I'm feeling that kind of pain, but usually that kind of pain comes with a disabling. Something no longer works for you, and the pain is part of that, so far as from what I've seen. Um, and so far, knock on wood, uh, the pain that I've had has just hurt, but it's not been, it's not stopped me. So the. <sighs> I, I just feel like for me, Mickey, and maybe I don't, uh, I'm saying this from my perspective because I don't understand your perspective. I, I don't would feel like if there's still good for me to do, like if you say I need to be able to bench press this amount and if my performance is reduced below that, but I'm meeting these people and talking to them, I'm realizing that it's helping them. And I'm on this, doing this podcast and it's helping people. And I want another chance to talk to the woman with the scarf uh, who it, it has lost her hair. And I want to be able to say something that will uplift her. You know, I, I personally know that I would struggle with where is the line? The line is going to keep moving. Maybe you don't feel that way. Well, I'm curious about that. Um, this is all new territory. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, is the line, because the line has shifted. Th things have shifted around. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm in kind of a, 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 a cycle to where um, sometimes the aching is worse, sometimes it's not. Right now, today, it's not bad. Last week, there, this time, and Tuesday, it was horrendous. But that, that's happened before. This, this, this is nothing new. So I'm learning to distinguish the cycle from actual changes showing that I'm, that I'm, that I'm made further progress to leaving this world. Okay. How often are you thinking about that? About death? About where the line is. Oh, um, let me think about that. Uh, well, to me, it's a fascinating subject. I think so, too. So yeah. uh, whenever I feel something particular, and then, then, then I'll think about that. Okay, is this, is this it? Is this not it? Because then, then it comes to the process of looking back in my own history and thinking, okay, do I have precedent? Was it this bad? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the, the, the hardest was, of course, last summer when, when all these things were really kicking in. And that was when I thought, am I going to make it to November? That was the toughest one when I was saying, okay, everybody, I may not be here that much longer because certain things are happening. And what was really bad was I told you about the ache in my femur. Yeah. I had a parrot. His name was Nahoa, little green cheek conure. And he would get in that. I would let him out of the cage and he could fly around. It was fine. But Kit Kat 
was kind of slick. She would sometimes stalk him. And he was out. And so she was on the floor and she had cornered him. And I stood up to go to, to go get him. And then my femur gave out. And that was that sharp pain I told you about. And I, ah, you know, I, I, I fell. I couldn't even stand up. And I couldn't defend Nahoa. Mm -hmm. If Kit Kat had decided to go at him, there wouldn't have been anything I could have done. And that was the day that I had to make the decision. And I started exploring the option of getting him a different, a different um, family. That was really tough. Mm -hmm. Well, by the way, I did see him because we did a video conference with, with it, with his <laughs> new family, DJ Parakeet, coincidentally enough, oh, nice. um, Mitch Mitchell. Uh, he, um, he is, he is, um, Nahola's new daddy, him and his girlfriend, and they're wonderful with him. And he looks really happy and he's being sassy and acting up just as he should. <laughs> so I am, I'm happy to know that the, the hurt on that one, the ache in my heart for him has become just a fondness. It's still a little bit hurt, but at least it doesn't hurt as much. Yeah. Good. I'm so glad you found a good home for him. I, uh, we just have a couple minutes left and I feel like there's, we're going to continue this conversation, um, uh, uh, about quitting. Cause I think we're just tapping the surface of it. Let's Let's end on a different note here. Why do you love Pat Tillman so much? Pat Tillman. For those of you who don't know, he was the army ranger who was killed by his own troops in Afghanistan and the government uh, had done a full cover-up because they wanted him to be a recruiting tool. So they talked about how brave he was and he fought against the enemy to the very last moment, which was a bunch of, which was a lie. Um, and his, his mom, especially, but his parents and his brothers um, constantly, constantly, constantly berated the army until they finally gave them the real story and spoke before Congress about it as well. I look upon him as, as the communitas that the military can do for you, the bonding that you can get with military training that I got when I went through boot camp can go really, really wrong mm. if the wrong people are in charge because they ended up pitting his surviving members of his team who are already feeling horrible that, that somebody among them had shot him. So yeah, and covered it. Yeah, that, that, that he, destroyed any kind of communitas they had. He enlisted right after 9-11. He left a very lucrative yes, career in yeah. uh, major sports. Okay. Yeah, he we was have, a football player. We have to wrap but, up. But thank you for that. Okay. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Aloha, people. Aloha. I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying. <laughs>